God's good, isn't He? Man, that is fantastic. She, while she was singing, I was thinking about you know the message, Christ, you know, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. You know, it says uh, in the book of Revelation, the last chapter, chapter 22, Jesus said, I think in the last chapter three times, He said it multiple times, but in the last chapter, three times He says, I'm coming soon. Or I'm coming quickly. Folks, if you live to be a hundred years of age, it's still a short life on the other side of death. Do you understand? You know, that's why Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said that life is a vapor. It passes so soon. It's about eternity, and it's about eternity with Jesus Christ. And really, there's only two choices. Jesus said that Himself. Either your Father is God the Father, His Father. This is what He said uh, in John 5. He said either God's your Father or the devil's your Father. There's only two choices. But we want to trust in God the Father because He sent His Son to save us from our sins. Amen? And that's why we serve Him. That's why you're here. You're here because only Christ could pay for your sins. You know, I, I love my wife. I love Bonnie. I love my family. A lot of my family, Jonathan, Courtney, a lot of them are here. I love them. I don't love them like I do Jesus because they didn't pay for my sin. Jesus paid for my sin. And if I say I love Him, then I'm going to be devoted to Him. But if that's true about me, should that not be true about you, Right? Shake your head like this. It should be. We serve Him because we love Him. And, and He alone could die for our sins. That's why we call Him the Savior. Your Bible's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time. But I do want to read portions of, of 1 Corinthians 15. So if you have your Bibles or, or you use a device it would be worth your time to, to go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, Thursday, of course, I'm, I'm getting older. You're getting older. I've been here a long time. I'll be here 25 years. Uh, that's hard to believe. I say that. I'll be here 25 years in May, I believe. So I'm getting older. So Thursday, this isn't the first time I've had to do this, but First time recently. Thursday, uh, I had to go to rehab. Because I have a... It's not for my neck, of all things. It's something else. It's a muscle called... Uh, I'm not whining. I'm just telling you the truth. I could be a whiner, but I'm not whining. Okay, Or maybe I am, but just act like I'm not. So I have a called a piriformis muscle. I'd never heard of it till it went... So it start till it started swelling, and then it hits nerves, and you have problems. It sends radiating lava flames down your legs, and in your hind end, it does it too. And so I've struggled with it for about a year. I thought I was over it, then I fell in the yard. Anyway, but I go there. This was Thursday. I go there, and in 15 minutes at rehab, I see three church members. Okay. 
I mean, I can go to Walmart and spend two hours and I may not see three church members. I can spend five hours at, at McDonald's studying and I won't see three church members. But I was there for I was there for an hour, but in 15 minutes I saw three church members. You know why? Because we're all getting old and we're all going to die. It's going to be the truth. But I don't mean to be ugly. I don't mean unkind. I don't care how good looking you are and how young you feel. If Jesus doesn't rapture the church and come back, let me tell you what's going to happen. He said it's appointed a man wants to die. Then after that, the judgment. And you know it's true. I've done dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of funerals as pastor of this church. You know why? Because it's appointed a man wants to die. Then after that, the judgment. So folks, we're not going to live forever on this earth. So is it not wise to be making preparations for eternity? Let me just remind you, if you're here today and, and you've never been saved, you've never been, whatever term you want to use, born again, transformed, created new, whatever term you want to use, but you've never repented of your sins and been saved by the power of God, there's an eternity for you, Jesus says, but the eternity is not with Him. Matter of fact, He describes just a little microcosm of what happens in Luke 16, where he talks about a rich man died without him, rejected him, and he died. And Jesus said, this is Jesus talking. And he says, and he lifted up his eyes being in hell. Folks, I don't mean to scare you, but there's not soul sleep. Like, there's not annihilation. Many people believe that. Like, when you die, that's it. If you believe Jesus as the Son of God, and that's who He is, He's proven to be the Son of God because He was resurrected from the dead. Nobody else has done that. He is God in human form. And He says that you're going to live forever. Either you're going to live forever with Him, or you're going to live forever with the devil. That's what He says. And, it's all, and our trusting Him is all based in what He accomplished on Good Friday, which was His death as the Passover Lamb, And on Sunday, the Lord's Day, this is the Lord's Day. This is His day. The New Testament calls it His day, the Lord's Day. They didn't worship on, they worshiped on Saturday. The Jews worshiped on Saturday. Jesus was resurrected on Sunday, so now it's the Lord's Day. So believers worship on Sunday, or we call it the Lord's Day, because Jesus conquered the grave. I say this a lot, and I don't mean to be redundant, but. we're planning to go back to Israel in a few months. And, and I went 12 years ago. I know my wife's watching. We, we went 10 or, I think it was 12 years ago. And, and I say this, but I really mean it. We traveled 5,000, however far it was. And one of, the, one of the last days we're there, you go to what's called the garden tomb. It's where most scholars believe Jesus was buried. And uh, it's, a, it's cut into a cave. It's a cave, a, a, a burial spot with a stone that would roll in front, just like the Bible says. I went there, I think, in 2011. And you know what I found? What did I find? The tomb was empty. I mentioned at sunrise this morning. Do you know, for, for agnostics, you know, like Robbie read one of the verses, some will say, 
how the how are the dead raised? You know, this would be smart ups. How are the dead raised? As if God can't do that. The God of heaven who made everything can't raise the dead. You know, that's what they're they're scoffing at that. But when you think about the power of the resurrection, about the empty tomb, it if you wanted to silence me, or if you wanted to silence Christians for 2,000 years, you only had to do one thing. Show us the body of Christ. They couldn't. Just three weeks after the resurrection, Peter preaches a sermon. And you know what he preaches about? Christ risen from the dead. They couldn't refute it. Do you know why they couldn't refute it? Because He was risen from the dead. Now if He died on the cross, conquered the grave, and He calls Himself Lord and Savior, is He not Lord and Savior? Is He not? He is. But the question is, do you know Christ? Do you know Him? Somebody was telling somebody the other day, and they were saying they weren't sure kind of thing. I don't mean to be a smart aleck or a know-it-all, but this person was saying they weren't sure. And I looked straight at him and I said, I know Him. I know Him. I know Him like I know my wife. I know Christ. He found me. Do you know how He found me? Because He's alive. And He found me, the Bible says, and He saved me. Because He conquered death, hell, and the grave. You can be like that today. If you're without Christ, the Gospel and the Spirit, you can be saved today. That's, that's what today's all about. It's about salvation. I'm in 1 Corinthians 15, and if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be brief, but I just want you to read, I'm going to read some of these verses because this is the resurrection chapter. I'll make a couple of points and then we'll come to, to a close. I'm in verse 12. Verse, the first eight, nine verses is all about the appearances of Christ. Seven or eight appearances of Christ resurrected from the dead. He conquered the grave, and then He shows up. Now, He didn't show up every moment of every day. To understand that. For the 40 days, Christ appeared. It wasn't every moment of every day, but He would show up to His believers. By the way, He never showed up to unbelievers. Because you know how people get saved? By believing in Him, not believing in some miracle. So, so He shows up to believers, and we have about seven or eight times recorded where He shows up. One time, he meant, Paul mentions this, you can go back and read it. One time, there were 500 people that were there. And Jesus shows up. And even Paul says, hey, you doubt that? Most of those 500 people are alive today. Go talk to them. Because Jesus did conquer the grave. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. So Paul's arguing, go, go find them. Go find these people. They'll tell you Jesus is alive. Peter preaches a sermon three and a half, four weeks after the resurrection. He pro- all they had to do was pr- produce the body, but they couldn't because Christ is raised from the dead. Verse 12 says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Some of you won't. You're thinking, man, because you don't want to trust Him. So you're hoping there's annihilation. You're hoping that when you die, that's all there is. Well, Jesus has told us that's not true. The part of you, here, here's how we describe it. I'm a simpleton. But here's how, the part of you that I can't see, but that makes you you. Okay, the part of you that makes you you. I can't see it. Other people can't see it. But it's what makes you you. That part of you, we call it your soul or your spirit. 
That's eternal. Okay? That's eternal. And that part of you is going to live forever. So you are eternal. And you're going to, so, so there is a resurrection. So, he, so how can you say there's no resurrection? But if there's no resurrection, verse 13 says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. It means hollow. So why? Think about this. Why am I here? Right now, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of pastors preaching the gospel of Christ. It would be futile to... I would be a moron, and you would be a moron to give me a hearing if Christ was not raised from the dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is stupidity if Christ is not raised from the dead. That that I would try to stand up here and persuade you of something that I'm not sure of. Or that has, can't be verified by you talking to people who've met Him and been changed by Him. Just like when you read the New Testament, everybody Jesus met, they were changed. Spiritually, I met Him and was changed. Because I know Him. And of course, you know, the Bible says He's, he's in us when, when we do that. He says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your preaching is vain and your faith is vain. And he says, we're even found to be misrepresenting God. Paul's saying, we're liars because we testify that God in Christ was raised from the dead. But if He wasn't, you know, he's just saying we're, we're all liars. Go to verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order... Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Now, just briefly, most of you know what firstfruits would be. A firstfruit was the Jews would harvest, you know, the early harvest they would pull firstfruits. And these firstfruits would show them what the rest of the fruits are going to look like. And of course, God required certain kind of offerings of the first fruits because He's the one that blessed the seeds to give them the, the, the crops. But they had, so what they brought on the first fruits, they could say, hey, the rest of, the, the, rest of the, the harvest is going to be much like this. Well, what the Bible's saying is, when it comes to the resurrection of the dead, to you having a literal resurrected body, there is somebody who's the first fruits of that. Who is it? Answer that. Who is it? It's Jesus. So I was telling him at sunrise, so we don't have time to do it now, but what's interesting is go and study his life in, in the Gospels. Study his life as, as a descendant of you know, Mary, virgin birth, right? But as a man, the God-man, study his life then, and then study his life after the resurrection. There's things he could do after the resurrection that he did not do or could not do before the resurrection. One would be he traveled, time and space didn't matter anymore. He could be 60 miles away within seconds. He could travel from Israel, I mean from Jerusalem to Galilee instantaneously. As before the resurrection, he'd have to walk there or ride a donkey. Did it all the time. It's a long way. But after the resurrection... Time and space didn't matter. If you read the Gospels, you know that after the resurrection, Jesus just walks through walls. He just shows up. He decides this is where He wants to be. 
at a certain point in time, and guess what? He just shows up. He did it then, and here's what's great. He's doing it now. He's doing it right now. See, some of you don't know Him, and He's showing up right now, and He's talking to you. The Bible uses words like conviction, the moving of the Holy Spirit. But see, He does that because He's alive. And He still pursues people to tell them that you must be saved. You you must repent and believe in Me in order to to be saved. So Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 15 is arguing about the truth of the resurrection. He says, But each in his own order... Christ the firstfruits, then at His coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when He delivers His kingdom to God the Father after destroying... So, you know, we, this is the end. This is prophecy. I'm studying this, by the way, on Wednesday nights. We're teaching on this on Wednesday night. When Jesus comes and destroys all other authority, all other rulers, and He sets up His kingdom on this earth. Paul's just talking about there's a day coming when Christ is going to reign. Now I'm dropping down to verse 35. I've only got a few minutes. It says, but someone will ask, verse 35, here's a great question, but someone will ask, and the Greeks, in the, the Greco-Roman Empire, I mean the Roman Empire, Greco, Greeks, they were big philosophers, so they didn't easily believe in something supernatural. Just like many of you in this room may not believe in the supernatural. It's hard to believe sometimes in the supernatural. Because what I'm telling you is, if you know Christ, this is what I'm saying, if you know Christ, He's promised you a brand new, glorified, physical existence other than what you experience now. A perfected body. That's what He's promised. It's supernatural. It's hard to believe that. But Paul is going to challenge that. He's going to give us an illustration that, that answers all these skeptics. So he says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? You can kind of hear the scoffing. Um, I've heard it. You know, you've heard it. Scoff. How does somebody raise? Like for instance, you know, if somebody was in the military and their ship got destroyed and their body sank to the end of the bottom of the ocean and, and ten different sharks ate their flesh and... 200 years, 100 years ago. So where are they? How's Christ going to resurrect? How's that going to happen? I want you to know that God does it every day. We're going to, I'm going to show you that. So people say, how, how can this happen? People have been dismembered. How's God going to resurrect? And look what He says. He says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So the issue is, it's what He's going to do when you die. It's not about how you die. It's what He's going to... See, He's God. So it's about what He's going to do when you die. And you know what? You're all going to die. So either you know Him and He's going to do something with you or you don't know Him. And He's going to reject you. So it's not about how you die. Because He's God. He can handle it. It's about you're going to die. So folks, if you're in this room... If Jesus tarries, you're going to die. And you know what the Bible says? It's appointed unto man once to die. Hebrews 9, 27. And then after that, the what? The what? The judgment. Either you're judged in Christ, or you are answerable for all your sins yourself. 
And by the way, if you think you can handle that, do you know Jesus says He has a book? He has two books. One book is one, it's called the book of life, and it has everybody's name that know Him in it. But there's another group of books, plural, called books. And you know what He's writing in those books? Because you, you know what He's writing? Every sin, every act of disobedience, everybody who's ever lived has done. They're recorded in a book. And there's a, there's a judgment called the great white throne judgment. And everybody that doesn't know Christ, has not met the resurrected Christ, is not willing to believe in Him, one day they're going to stand before that great white throne. And you know what Jesus is going to do? This is exactly what the Bible says. It says, and He, Christ, opens the books. And you answer for everything written. Now let me ask you something. Don't you need a Savior? Amen? Don't I need a Savior. I sinned enough today to send all of us to hell. I need a Savior. You need a Savior. Christ came to save. But not only does He save for this life. Here's what's great. He saves for the life to come. And in that life that's future, He's going to give you a brand new body like His own resurrected body. That's the promise of this chapter. So he says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that's going to be. And he's just, he says, but you're really sowing. So what you are, he says, when you die or anybody dies, I've got to move on, we're going to run out of time. He says, what you, your body, he, he says right here, and what you sow is not the body that's going to be. So what goes into the ground is not what's going to be on the other side. Because God hadn't gotten involved yet, right? So what you sow, and this is how he just got it. He describes it. He said, but it's like it's just a bare kernel. Perhaps kernel of wheat or some other grain. But then he says, but God gives it a body as He has chosen. Now, i got to move on, but here, here's something I want you to think about. If you think that God can't resurrect dead things, now, I want you to think about that. The scoffer will say, how are the dead raised? Now, with me, hold on now. This makes sense, makes sense to me, so maybe it makes sense to you. People will scoff, and maybe you struggle with it. Maybe you struggle with your Christianity, and you think, man, I just can't believe it. It's kind of like pie in the sky. It's kind of a make-believe, kind of a story. But I want you to know that hundreds of thousands of millions of times today, God Himself resurrects the dead. Paul gives you the illustration here. He uses the word seeds. Folks, I could have, and I don't know nothing about horticulture. We, we tried to grow tomatoes at my house. They didn't work. Remember the topsy-turvy tomato plant? What a joke. But anyway, we, we massacred that. We can't grow anything but dirt and, and, and dust at our house, but it doesn't matter. But I, I could have a handful of seed. Let's say I had 20 different kinds of seed in my hand. Different kinds. You have no idea what's going to happen when that's... You don't even know what it is. I could have a, I could have a, a seed that would grow an apple tree, or I could have a seed that would grow a flower. They'd almost look the same. Can I ask you something? Who does that? Who makes it grow? Chance? 
God does. That seed dies. And life comes. Listen to me. There's an illustration I did this years ago. I can take 15 pounds of corn seed. I, I know I'm out of time. I'm aware of the clock. Okay. I can take 15 pounds of corn, plant it, 15 pounds, two or three acres. I don't know how much you can do with 15 pounds. 15 pounds. It will produce 5,000 pounds of corn, of which a lot of it you can replant if it's the right kind of corn. 15 pounds into 5,000 pounds, and that's a seed that goes in the dirt. Now let's talk about somebody that Christ has saved and His Spirit is inside of them. They die and their body goes in the tomb. What's God going to do with them when He resurrects them from the dead and gives them a new body? If He'll bless 15 pounds of corn into 5,000 pounds of corn, what's He going to do for the resurrected body? See, this is where the Bible says, literally this is how we put it in, it's what the Bible says if I'm using El Moron, as we say, people call us El Morons. Our terminology, you have no idea what He's going to do on the other side. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. You have no idea. So don't sit there and try to argue with me that God doesn't resurrect the dead. He does it billions and billions and billions of times. So somebody may be dead in the ocean and their body may be in 30 different parts. Your relatives may have been cremated. Whatever it would be. All God needs is one little speck of information And He can do the rest because He does it millions and millions and millions of times every moment of every day. Is there resurrection from the dead? Let me ask you, is there resurrection from the dead? Is there? There is. Will you be resurrected from the dead to live with Christ? Think about that. See, the claims are, the claims, it's demanding. It's no joke. This is serious stuff. Eternity, it's eternity stuff. Well, let me read a couple more verses and I'll close. Uh, Paul says, I'm, I'm going to jump all the way over to verse 51. Uh, Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Now, now this is talking about a historical event for Christians called the rapture. But I'm not going to spend time on that. But, but So in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. So what Paul's arguing here or telling us is, by the way, how did Paul know this? How did Paul Paul know this? He tells us two ways he knew it. How did he know this? Because he hadn't died yet. Oh, you go to 2 Corinthians and you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and you know what you find out about Paul? Paul had the privilege of going to heaven. He says that God took him to the third heaven, to glory, and showed him things. So I would dare say that some of this stuff that Paul's talking about is stuff that maybe he garnered in God taking him to heaven. And that wasn't unusual for the Apostle Paul. So he says, In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. And what's going to. This is the event called the rapture. That's a Latin word. It's not the word rapture is not a, a, a English word. It's a Latin word, but it is in the Bible, Latin Bible. But anyway, so we use the word rapture. 
I mean, we use the word rapture because that's a Latin word. Uh, caught up is in the New Testament. If you're reading about this event, a lot of times it's called up. So the dead will be raised imperishable, so people will come out of the grave. And then Paul says, and we who are alive, that's what he's talking about, be changed. So everybody's going to be changed. So he says, for this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Because we're eternal beings. This is a temporary carcass. What you're in. And, and you, the other side of eternity, you can't experience until you leave this body. So he says, when the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall be come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now listen, listen to this. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Folks, I'm going to tell you, I am not afraid of death. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've been born again, there should be no fear of death. Because we know what happens on the other side. So, and a matter of fact, he just told us in verse 26, that the last enemy to be conquered is death. Now, I would rather choose the way I die. I like to maybe die in my sleep, or wouldn't mind dying in the pulpit, but that would be a shock to people that were here. But death, I'm not afraid of. Now, how I die, yeah, I don't want to burn in a car. You know, I, I want to go easy, but, but I'm not afraid to die. Because see, I really don't die. I'm just set free to live. Because I'm encompassed in a shell of, of flesh. So he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Isn't that true? You're a sinner. And without forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption, you're going to have to answer for your sin. But then Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. I love that. Who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus our Lord. Gives us. Gives us. That's the word, idea of grace. God by faith. We believe in Christ. And the Bible says God gives us the victory. You can't earn it. You're not deserving of it. There's nothing you ever do is going to, but God gives it when folks believe and trust in His Son. Let give you one example and we'll close. Uh, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. This is, I'm going back to the Gospels, but you'll understand. So go back to the Gospels and Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And uh, He shows, he, he appears to uh, a lady called Mary Magdalene. And uh, see, this is how you, I'm fixing to tell you how you know it's true. How you know it's true, okay? There's life after death, okay? So, he's alive. He's conquered the grave. It's that same morning. It's Easter morning, 2,000 years ago. And this is where Mary Magdalene thinks he's the gardener. You know, she's been crying, comes early to the tomb, and he's not there. And she sees him, but she thinks he's the gardener. Because it's early in the morning, they're in a garden. You go there, it's called the garden tomb. It's in a garden. So they converse about that, about she thinks he's the gardener. But something happens. I can prove to you Jesus is alive right now. Back what happened in that garden. So Jesus does something. with Mary Magdalene, 
that He can do in here. And He will do it in here and probably is doing it. You know what He does? The Bible says He called her by name. Mary. Do you know how you know He's alive? One way. Many of you in this room right now, you know what? He's calling your name. Dead people don't speak. See, I can't convince you of that. It's true. I can't make a story up to try to convict you of something that's like that. I can't do that. He can. Because it's true. Is He calling your name? He may be calling your name because you're saved and not living right. could be doing that. Or He could be calling your name because you're lost and without hope. And He's calling you to salvation. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord. In just a moment, we're going to stand and Kathy's going to play a hymn of invitation. But before we do that, let me tell you the invitation. Now, I know it's Easter. I know it's a little formal. There's guests here. You're with family members. But I'm going to ask, don't let the devil put all those roadblocks in your mind and heart. Right now, if you're under conviction or God's speaking to you, there's all these things running through your mind. Oh, what's my neighbor going to think? What's my cousin going to think? Oh, I can't do it. Don't let, don't let the devil do that. If you're here this morning, here's the invitation. And you're a believer, and you know for sure that you're saved, but God is calling you to obedience. We call it backslidden. Whatever term you want to use, you know your Christian life is a joke. He's speaking to you because He's calling you to repentance and renewal. So the invitation is to you. Now, you don't have to come speak to me necessarily. There's an altar here you can pray at. Or you can make the decision right where you are. But He may be calling you for a deeper commitment to His Lordship. So that's the first part. The second part is if you're lost and without Christ. He's alive. And He's calling you because He wants to save you from your sins. And when we stand and listen to the hymn, and just when we stand and she plays, I'm just asking you, maybe today's the day you need to come talk to me about what it means to be saved. He's calling. You can respond. If you're here today and there's other decisions you need to make, I'll be waiting on you down front. Father, move among us now, we pray in Jesus' name. We stand and and Kathy's going to...